Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. How's everybody doing? You doing well? It's good to be here. Good to be here with people. Praise God. We have been doing this pandemic worship for the last year and a half, and boy, these cameramen are tired of looking at me, amen? I mean, it has been an absolute mess. I have been gone for three weeks, actually. Uh, My mom has a cyst uh, in her back, and uh, we had to make sure that it wasn't cancerous, and so uh, for the last three weeks, I've been taking care of her and just seeking out, you know, medical attention, and so... Uh, I praise God that we have the kind of leadership and we have the kind of uh, support and team here that allows me to uh, take care of my family. Amen. And so uh, so this is actually so last week was our first week uh, back open. And this is my first week. And uh, it's just kind of so I feel like a visitor. So uh, I need a Uber, Uber, Uber code. I need that. I need that. Amen. Five, five, four, four, four. Um, no, but it's, it's, it's really good to be here, and um, I guess it's worth noting that it's good to have you here because um, a lot of people struggled during the pandemic, right? The pandemic was hard, spiritually. Isolation can be very difficult, and the fact that you made a choice to either come back to church or start coming to church is a statement of your faith. This was a very challenging season, still is, as we have masks on, right? But you have made, I just want to honor you today, you have made an incredible decision. Everything right now is catered towards you being in your home. You hungry? Grubhub. You need a book? Amazon. You need a date? Well, anyway, but I mean, there's... (laughs) Just saying, it's, it's customized for you. <laughs> There's really nothing you can't do now on your own. And church, and I guess movies, but you can do movies at home anyway, but church is this unique space where it's not that it's required, but it's healthier for you to be amongst people. And you made that decision. So I want to honor you. I also pray that you know that there are other people who you know, friends, who during the pandemic, they were very isolated, family. They were very isolated. I pray you stay connected to them. I pray you invite them to this church or a healthy church. But we need each other, amen? And I'm honored to be back here connecting with you. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we get a chance to worship you. We get a chance to be with you amongst your people. Now, God, we pray that you would honor these folks, not just with seeing one another, not just with worship, but with a word. Would you speak, Holy Spirit, to where I am at today? 
Spirit of God, divide yourself up into this room and meet us where we are. And then draw us closer to you, the Bible says. If we draw near to God, you will draw near to us. Just like my daughter takes a little step, my step is so much bigger than hers. God, when you draw near to us, it is so much bigger than when we draw near to you. So meet us here this afternoon in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to do a three-week series on prayer, and we believe as a church that prayer is the foundation of a healthy spiritual life. Prayer is the foundation of a healthy spiritual life. If you're going to be a growing Christian, if you're going to be a mature Christian, you're going to be a prayerful Christian, a person who is intimate with God. Now, many of you, there's a good chance that you actually learned how to pray in your home or you learned some kind of tradition. And there's a good chance that prayer for you was what we call formulaic. There was kind of a say this, say this, you get this, you know? And maybe when you were a child, you learned how to say grace over the meal and it was kind of this mumble, 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 prepare for those who prepared and God, thank you for this burger and cheese and for the nurturance of our bodies, even though it's toxic and horrible and <laughs> processed. But, you know, we, we learned this like formulaic type prayer. And so it kind of was this manuscript that we understood. Maybe you prayed for tests. Maybe you prayed for athletics. But there's a good chance that prayer for you, if you were coming up in a Christian tradition, you kind of learned how to pray for things. That was kind of the core of your prayer life. And some way, somehow, prayer is kind of like protect me, bless me, keep me, help me, come see me, know me. But come on, God. Like, you, you know what's up. Like, that's, that's kind of prayer for us. And it is that way because we've got things going on. And he's God. He's strong. And so we need you to intervene on all the things that are happening in our world, and then a problem comes one day. Um, you ask God for something really good, and it ain't happening. And so you're like, wait, 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 wait. I'm just like, I want. I, you would like this, aren't you into this? You would like. You would like this. You would like this. I'd be good with this. Give it to me, right? So you keep praying, you're praying, you know what? I need to pray in his will. That's what it is. I need to pray in his will. So I'm going to just, if it be your will. If it be your will. Heard that words. Then we keep praying some more, and it's not happening. And you're just like, you know what? I need to fast. I need to push back the plate. You know what I'm saying? Then... Oh, I need to fast and pray because the point of fasting is that I pray. You know what I'm saying? Then it don't happen. And it's just like, what's up, God? And it's like, you know, I need some gratitude. I need to add some gratitude. I need to have an attitude of gratitude, right? <laughs> so then you start adding all these things, right? And so now you're doing all these flowery things in prayer. You'd be like, hey, God, how you doing? Did you lose weight? <laughs> He looks so good. Anyway, Father, you know, and so we're just like. <laughs> so, the, so the interesting thing about prayer is 
Like, there comes a point, and, and you, if, if I'll be honest with you, when, when people discover that I'm a pastor, if I'm somewhere, a lot of times they will want me to pray for them because prayer is not working for them, and their definition of it not working is, I'm not seeing God do the thing I asked him to do. How do I get this thing to work? Kind of like when you, get, you buy something, like, it's not working. It's not working. And when you start off with that formulaic kind of prayer, there comes a point where you don't get what you want anymore, and so you say, this is not working. You may even think the relationship is not working because I'm not seeing these things. And, and what is intense about prayer, what's hard about prayer, is that prayer can be incredibly random and incredibly disappointing. If I was God's like administrator, like if I was his executive admin, I'd be like, hey God, there's, there's some people in here with sickness here. So no, 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 no. These people are just asking for like a test and financial aid. Like don't. These people over here should be, okay, we got to meet with them today, okay? All right, bye-bye. You know, it's like, of course, if I was his admin, if I was the one delegating answers to prayer, and yet, you have seen this. You have prayed something deeply, pure, fasted in his will. And then you see people who are living ratchety, ratchety, ratch. And you're just like, hold on. Really, God? They got the job? Huh, interesting. Oh, she's getting married. Interesting. Oh, all right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anymore. Because I'm not seeing this thing work. This relationship is it's not working. If we're honest, that's the tension of prayer. When you've expected something from God and it doesn't come through, it is greatly disappointing. Now, what is the purpose of this series? Well, the purpose of this series is to kind of move you into a deeper place with prayer. We cannot stop asking God for requests because it's part of what we are, part of what we do. But I do want you to see there's a difference, that there's kind of this contractual kind of prayer, and that is, I pray to get you to do for me. And then there's conversational prayer, and that is, I pray to get you. And we want you, if you are going to be growing, if you're going to have a foundation in your walk with God, we want you to have a foundation. We're going to always ask for requests. But we want you to have a foundation in conversational, relational, intimate prayer where you get God. Because there are many people who pray deeply, and they are well acquainted with God's gifts, but they are a stranger to his love. It's because they haven't got, they're not seeking him. They're seeking something from him. And that is, that is a unique experience. Years ago, I was flying on a plane and I got an exit row by myself, amen? Now you know that's, that's the glory of God, right? 
And um, while, you know, so people are walking in and this young lady, uh, I have my headphones on just doing my thing. She's like, hey, she's like, hi, how are you? I'm like, I'm good. She's like, where are you going? I'm like, uh, New York. She's like, uh, oh, okay, cool. And I'm like texting my wife, somebody trying to flirt with me up here, girl. <laughs> oh, snap, she young too, you know what I'm So, it's a surprise. Because there's an age you reach, but that doesn't happen as much anymore. Praise God. <laughs> You'll learn. So, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, huh. So then the flight's about to start. She comes back. She's like, hey. I'm like, what's up? She's like, uh, is anybody sitting here? I'm like, nah. She's like, okay. Got her stuff, sat down. Didn't talk to me the rest of the flight. I was like, ah, <laughs> right, right. You didn't want me. You wanted what I had. And now we're going to sit on this whole flight. And you don't have to pretend anymore it was about me. It was always about what I had. And when you have not, she could have just said, as if, I mean, we could have done all that, right? But what my, my point is, is that we're always going to ask of God because he has something. But in a little way, we're kind of pretending that it's about him when really it's about what he has. You ever see someone really, really, no shade to this, this, this somebody like really, really old with someone really, really young and you're like, they must be rich, right? <laughs> No, 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 no shade. If that's where you're at today, praise God. But that's the first thing you have on your mind because you're like, they must want something from them. And in many ways, we never want to be that way with our God. That I'm only with you because you're rich. I want a seat next to you because you've got more. I want you. And if you want a deep, intimate, abiding relationship with God, then that's what prayer will be defined by in your life. A relationship, not a resource. Him. We pray to get him. Amen? And so <clears throat> we're going to look at, we're going to take a few weeks to look at the Lord's Prayer, but Matthew chapter 6 is a Oftentimes people look at the book of Luke, but Matthew chapter 6 is a really cool um, introduction or a way of looking at uh, the Lord's Prayer because all of that is in the, the Sermon on the Mount, right? And Jesus is talking about enemies and he's talking about people slapping you across the face and giving the other cheek and radical ministry, right? It's not where God has me yet. But regardless, like all of these things, God is just teaching, right? He's talking about giving and, and then... Um, all of a sudden, he now gets to this place where he begins to teach on prayer. Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bible, look there, or you can look up on the screen. So he says, and when you pray, you must not be like, 
the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And what Jesus is teaching here is very interesting because his first thing that he talks about with prayer is who not to pray like. Interestingly enough, it's as if Jesus is saying, there could be a way you've been taught prayer your whole life, and it could be the wrong way. He says there are people who pray to be seen. He's most likely talking about the Pharisees, very religious people. And they made prayer a public spectacle. And so in Matthew 6 and 7, he says, And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. It is very interesting that he went from talking about hypocrites, he's talking about religious people, but then he moves to talking about Gentiles. And these are people that are not non-religious, but they are very... uh, They have many religions. They have many gods. And so there was a god for fertility if you wanted to have a child. There's a god for livestock, for your animals. There's a god for your field, for your crops. And what they would do is that they would sacrifice and they would try to get the attention of their god. And he says the Gentiles' very nature of prayer is that they are trying to get the attention of someone they don't think is going to come through for them. So they try to be more eloquent. And they heap up all these phrases and words. They try to find a combination, a formula that will get them what they want. That's why he uses this phrase, empty phrases. And the truth be told is that For many people, when they come into the faith or when they first start walking with God and they say, hey, why don't you pray? Their biggest fear is, I don't know what to say. Because you know, you've heard someone pray and you'd be like, now they can pray. (laughs) They're just like, Father God. You know, they got that thing going. They got that thing. They got that rhythm and so, and then, and and you're just like, ooh. Wow, they're coming out with an EP? That was good. Wow, you can pray. (laughs) You can tell I haven't preached in a while. (laughs) No, but I mean, so, so, and and so, so what happens is people who don't pray in public think great prayer is about great words. They actually think the greater you pray is the greater you sound. And he says, that's not great prayer. So let's just pause for a second. And I want you to pause, literally, I want you to pause right here. Think about this. The, the, the accompanying text to this is in Luke chapter 11. And in Luke chapter 11, the disciples have been walking, literally walking around with Jesus for years. And they come to this point where they just see Jesus praying all the time and going up to a mountain. And they're like, yo, can you teach us how to pray? We've been around you. We know you. But can you teach us how to pray? We know how to pray. But can you just 
And I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know your spiritual resume. I don't know how long you've been in the faith. But I pray you'd have that spirit during this series. Lord, teach me how to pray. I don't know. I, I, I think I'm kind of formulaic. I think I kind of get, I feel like I get disappointed. I feel like my prayer life goes up and down based upon me seeing requests and not seeing requests. I feel like I've gone through a season of dryness and teach me how to pray. Amen? So the heartbeat of what we want. And so they say that in Luke 11. And what's interesting is what happens here. And this is where I want to just center ourselves in chapter 6, verse 6 of Matthew. He says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Some would translate that, go into a closet. Shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. What's interesting here in Matthew chapter 6 is the first thing he says for effective prayer is not what to say, but where to go. He says, Go into a room, go into a closet, close the door. Let's start with that. Jesus prioritizes an environment over a manuscript. He will teach them how to pray later on. He will give them words to say. He will give them concepts to work on. But before he even gets to how to pray when it comes to words, he teaches us how to pray in terms of atmosphere. And that tells us atmosphere is more important than words. The environment you create with God. The kind of space you create with God. The kind of clarity you have that I am with you and you alone. 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 That's what he means. Alone. Me and you. And it is true from a practical standpoint that when you create a specific place and a specific time to go deep with God, it accelerates your intimacy with God. When you make time for God as a happenstance, like, well, I need to pray today, and you're on the train, and it's just like, God, you know what's up. Oops. You know I'll be loving you. You know that when you when you when you kind of throw God in, that's how your relationship is. It's kind of thrown together. Prioritization means first things first. It is of importance. And this idea of going to a specific place is also speaking to this idea of closing the door. And that means I am going to ensure that I remove distractions from my time with God. Let me, can I, this is a side note. This is just a commercial break. I, I get no, I, the most distracted I become is when I'm trying to get with God. It's crazy. I haven't been here in three weeks. I'm doing sermon prep. There's a bug like, I'm like, 
for real? Like, and it's not just, it's not just out there. It's, it's me. I'm part of the problem. I'll just like go play with the blinds. Like, oh, I didn't know it goes. Look at the blind. Oh, snap. I, it's so hard. And I believe that the dev, one of the devil's greatest tools is light distractions. But he becoming like, eh, 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 like just a lot of them. To the point where like 20 minutes will go by. I'm like, have we even talked, Lord? I'm so sorry. Uh, I love you. But you know, I mean, let's get back to what we were talking about. But, but, but you know what? Jesus would do this. The Bible says that Jesus would go up to a mountain early in the morning just to be with God. And I believe that if the Son of God had to carve out almost like an uncomfortable time in order to be in the comfort of God, then I think that's true of me and you. That the best way to be in the comfort of God is to create almost like an uncomfortable time. Now, I'm not legalistic in telling you you got to wake up at 5 a.m. and meet with God and all these different things. That's certainly, I wouldn't say that. But man, one of the things that has transformed my time when I became a pastor and this is no shade, so you, I'm just tell you a little secret. Sometimes people will want to get time with me, and I'll have time carved out to be with God. And instead of telling people I have a prayer time, because people don't respect that. Like, yeah, I got this prayer time. They're like, okay, but can we still meet? I'm like, dang. I was like, I have a meeting. People respect a meeting. They're like, oh, you have a meeting. My bad. And I do, because God happens to be a person. Amen? And... I don't know. If there, there are certain people that we consider important that if they said, hey, let's meet, I would stop everything I'm doing to get time with them. And I don't know what it means when I'm running to time with people, but I'm ignoring time with God. But I, but I truly believe that, and this is my fear for our generation now, and I don't mean this just of you, I mean that's of me, I'm getting wisdom every day. It ain't from the Lord all the time. Oh, I'm having a quiet time every day. Oh, yeah. It's not always with Jesus, but I'm, get, I'm getting devotional time. Oh, yeah. Memes, gifts, information, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. What happened with Britney Spears? I don't know. Something. It's news. But I am flooded with new information all the time, and it's changing me. It's changing you too. The, 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 your news feed isn't just a news feed. It can be a catechism. That means it's teaching you something. And so what we want to do is we want to be able to carve out time. Because that's what we do it for people that we think are prioritized. So my wife and I, we get a date night on Thursday nights. Amen. So Friday is my, my Sabbath. That's my day off. For those of you that try to contact me on Friday, amen? <laughs> That's my day off. 
So what I do, since I don't get a regular weekend, because I am working right now, but uh, I don't get a regular weekend, so what happens is on Thursday at 4, that's quitting time. And I go and I get a date night with my wife. And what happens is, is that we go, we go out to eat, and after we're done eating, we'll go, we'll sit by our apartment, and then we'll talk for a while, and then finally we'll plan the next date night. We thought it was a good idea. I thought I was actually going to get a reaction from that. But anyway, um, but we do. We plan the next date night. It's a really good idea. And so we do that. And the reason why date nights are important, you don't have to have a date night if you're married, but you know why we do a date night? Here's the principle. Because much of our relationship is transactional. It just is. Can you pick up the kids? Did you get that email? Can you believe what your child did? Beat them. No, that doesn't actually. <laughs> that doesn't actually happen all the time. Where are we going for Christmas? That's, that's what our relationship is. Like, it's, it's just, okay, did you, did you, okay, but if, that's what it is. You're constantly doing that. And we are trying to get each other to understand something and do something. And if we don't carve out time, our relationship will just be one big transaction after another. And you've seen people like that. Some of you came out of homes like that. And you don't want that for your own marriage. You don't want that for your own life. Why would you want that with your relationship with God? So Jesus says something powerful in Matthew 6 and 8. He says, don't be like them. You know, the hypocrites and the Gentiles, don't be like them. Now here's what he says as a transition. Remember the the hypocrites are standing on street corners and the Gentiles are heaping up phrases. And it's, Don't be like them. He says, okay, here's the principle that's going to make you distinctive. Here's the principle that's going to make you deeper. Here's the principle that's going to move you into a conversational space with God, not just a contractual space. Here he goes. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So it's really not transactional. If we're being honest, because you're not giving him information. He's responding to it. He already knows the information. You see, what he, called, what he was called earlier in Matthew 6, 6 was the father who sees in secret. He has seen your secret places, your private world. He is very aware of the burdens you carry, the insecurities that you have. He is very aware. He is more intimately involved with the way in which you have fears. He understands them better than you do. He understands the trial that you're in better than you do. And the private world, the things you haven't told people, the fears you haven't shared, he is more intimately acquainted with your secret life than you are. Some of your secrets are a secret to you, and it is revealed to God. 
He is very aware with you. So what's the point of prayer if he already knows? The point of prayer is not information, getting solution. The point of prayer is that you are sharing your life with God, that you are telling him the story, that you are allowing him to be involved with you. The purpose of prayer is to be known, to be understood. Who's your closest friend? Think about it just for a second. Who just think, who's your closest friend? Now, if you can't answer that, we need to work on that. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Who's your closest friend? Okay, what is the thing you've told them that you haven't told anybody else? I don't know if I'll tell them that. Then they're not your closest friend. Because the concept of closeness is privacy. If you don't tell the person you trust the most private things, they are not close to you. That's the point. Amen? And we're out. That's the whole point. That's the way you're connected because I tell you this, you've been frustrated when you thought you were close to somebody and you found that other people knew before you did and you were like, oh, okay, oh, okay. (laughs) So we're just not, okay. No, no, no. When you think you're close to somebody, you think you get information first and information that's quiet. Why? Because you trust them more than other people. And what's happening is you are entrusting God with your world. Not because he needs to know about it, because he wants you to trust him more. That's the point. You trust him more. So you're not, you're sharing with him and you're talking to him and you're connecting with him. And so you must understand who God is. Who is God? He's a friend that got invited over to a dinner one time. And one of his friends is making sure that dinner's going good. Another one of his friends sits down and just sits with him. And he goes, this one right here, they get it. They just want to be with me. He's a father who has a son who completely rejects him, but he looks out every day waiting for him to come back just so we can hug him, just so we can be close. He's a God who saw his creation that's made in his image sin and yet still intimately walks into a garden and says, hey, where are you? You, you, not what did you do? Where are you? You, I want to know you. I want to talk to you. I want a conversation with you. Where are you? The kind of legalistic God some of you have been trained in, the first thing he says in the garden is, what did you do? But the kind of relational God says, where are you? You? I know you've been serving in ministry, but where are you? I know you've been faithful to me, but where are you? I know we talk all the time, but where are you? You. I want you. You. Not what you can do. Don't, don't try to impress me anymore. I, I get it. I get it. You've been, you're a good girl. Praise God. You. I want you. 
I want you. That's who God is. He wants you. So he just wants you to talk to him. An intimate relationship. So what must we do to get to that kind of deeper place, that kind of connected place, that, that place of depth? The key in the passage is to close the door. Close the door. Remove the distractions. Close the door. You say, well, how do you know that you're getting more connected in prayer? How do you know I have the door closed? Time and transparency. You just share more, you share more, you share more, you share more, you share more. Have you ever had a friend that you talked to? You remember the last good conversation you had? It was just a good conversation. I mean, you were both able to talk and let things out and get connected. It was a good conversation. As I say, you let your hair down. The essence of closing the door is time and transparency. And do you want to know the key? The key is actually really getting to the place where you can intensely share not just the things you want with God, not just what's going on with you, but the disappointments you have in God. The thing you've been saying again and again and again, and you say it again. In the Psalms, Psalm 13, I, I want you to hear David, 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 a man after God's own heart, a man who just wanted God, not just his riches, not just his treasure, not just his power, but he wanted God. He was intimate with God. He wanted a connection with him. And look what David says in Psalm 13, the guy that we should be mimicking the guy that we should be watching, look what he says in Psalm 13. How long, O oh Lord, sheesh, will you forget me forever? He's a little dramatic. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And he is letting God have it, man. He is confronting God. And he is talking intensely. Because the reality is that we cannot pretend we don't want things from God. We know who we're talking to. We know he's the king of the universe. You know God could change that thing tomorrow. You know your situation could change today. So why pretend? Part of the reason you are hearing God say, don't mimic these flowery prayers, and he says, this guy is after my heart because it's an honest conversation. And faithful are the wounds of the friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. And you keep kissing God. Oh God, well, you know, you're so amazing. 
And he's like, Can you, now let's, talk, let's have a real conversation. Let's talk about the thing that you th- that's breaking your heart. Let's keep talking about that. I want to talk to you about that on a regular basis. How much? As much as it's bothering you. As much as it's burdening you. I want to talk about that thing. And here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to stop doing. I want you to stop these flowery prayers in your private time with God. All right? I want you to move from PG-13 prayers to rated R prayers. Amen? I mean, just raw prayer. What's up? I'm angry, so what's up then? I'm mad at them. Like, real prayer. You are the most, I mean, we don't even need any, you are the kindest prayer on the universe. You're just like, so God, and I know, does this bother you? No, it's like, I am upset with you. And as, listen, and this is the key, because even when my wife and I are on our date night, we still talk about the business of life. But through time, and transparency, then we start getting real because we carve out that time. And what happens here is David, towards the end of the psalm, says, but I've trusted in your steadfast love. And you move from transactional conversation to intimate conversation. And I want you to be more bold in your prayer life. Not just bold Boldness in a prayer life is not just asking for something. It is coming to God through your brokenness. It's coming to God through your heartache. It is coming to God through your disappointments and your pain and your shame. And that thing that was in the garden that makes you run from God when you think you failed, that is not in the garden. That's in our DNA that we hide in shame. And boldness is coming to God again. Saying, I know I'm a mess. It's coming to God again, saying, God, I I don't even feel like saying this, but I just, you know what I want. And I pray that as we do this as a church, we will mature and we will grow and we will deepen our faith and we'll deepen our prayer life. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We've trusted in your steadfast love. But I've trusted in your steadfast love. I've trusted in your loyal love. I come to you today. I close this door. I get intimate with you, and I just tell you exactly what's on my heart. Holy Spirit, Would you this week carry the burdens of our people back to you? Would you this week carry our disappointments back to you? Carry our fears back to you? Take away our need to perform and sound right and deepen our need to be honest. You love it when we're honest with you, God. You desire an authentic relationship with us, God. Oh God, would you renew in us an honest conversation with you in Jesus' name.
We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.